Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, our special movie review episode returns. This time, do you want to spend eight hours of your life watching Joe Exotic in The Tiger King? Paula and I, of course, review Rocky Three to let you know whether The Tiger King is worth your time. Maybe Paula Poundstone's pussy pillows come in big cat size. Plus, Tony Nita Hall is donning her blue latex gloves and opening up the listener mailbag. We've got all kinds of catnip for you tonight. I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to referee this show's topical boxing matches and somehow keep the discussion within the ring. And now, please welcome the woman who floats like a conversational butterfly but never stings like a bee, Paula Poundstone! Welcome, Paula. Well, thank you very much. Hey, you guys. Hey. I've missed you. We miss you. When I say we, I mean me, because I'm all alone here, too. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm sitting in my chair on my treadmill, uh, which is exactly what it was made for. <laughs> uh, speaking of people sheltering in place, let's give a big thank you to tonight's house band, Devoted Nobody, Max Butterfield from Johnson, Rhode Island, playing that oboe. Thank you, Matt. That was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Um, you know, Adam, I uh, I heard sports writer Mike Lupica. Is that his name? Lupica. Lupica, yeah. Mike Lupica. I heard him interviewed on MSNBC, and he was talking about the importance of Major League Baseball to the mental health of Americans. And wow. they're planning on maybe having televised games with no fans in the stands. And I started thinking, if baseball is that important, why not just get it started now? You don't even have to have the actual players. You can do it like this. Octavia Spencer moving off the bag on first and double-timing it back as Drew Carey looks from the mound. There's the pitch, and Chuck Schumer pops it up. Rachel Ray makes the catch in the outfield, throws to second base woman Lizzo. Octavia Spencer slides into second, cleats blazing, and she is safe. 
<laughs> you know, what is this? If it's affecting America's mental health, for heaven's sakes, just bring it back. Like, there's a swing and a miss to retire Clarence Thomas, and he did not like that call. He's arguing with the Empire. Two decades on the Supreme Court, the guy has barely said a word, but get him on the phone or in a baseball game and he won't shut up. Emma Stone in the on-deck circle. You know, Adam, I just never liked the way she looks. She always looks like she's about to cry. What did Tom Hanks say? There's no crying in baseball. Wasn't that what he said? Emma Stone on second. <laughs> <laughs> How'd she make it to second so quickly? I don't. I got distracted. I I got distracted. I looked over. She was on second. Oh, that's you know that that's my favorite kind of baseball announcing. I, I used to love that when Phil Rizzo would go like, "Oh, and a happy birthday to Lottie Henderson from Queens." Oh yeah. Oh, and it looks like there was a home run while I was talking. You know, it's a slow game, and it's easy to it's get distracted. Looks game. like the Connecticut Dingle Bars are bringing in a pitcher to replace Brian Cranston. You know, Adam, Paula Poundstone has reached out to him on Twitter multiple times, trying to get him on this podcast. That's, yeah, that's right. right. He's he famously known as a famous, uh, famously friendly actor, but uh, Paula Poundstone has been striking out, to use a baseball term, constantly with Brian Cranston. He just won't do it, just like he won't <laughs> pitch another ball in this game. And in comes number nine, Val Demings, to pitch for the Connecticut Dingle Balls. Number nine, Val Demings, facing off against number 27, Barbara Streisand. Val Interesting Demings. statistic here. Dan Dennings is uh, he's batting uh, 237 with runners in scoring position on Thursdays. But on Fridays, he's a completely different story, batting 322. Oh, there's a lot of twists and turns in a game like this. A lot of twists and turns. Val Demings, by the way, did a fabulous job in the Trump impeachment hearings. And, of course, Barbara Streisand, who will always be funny girl to me. What a fabulous job she did in that movie so long ago. Uh, that's I swear. great. I mean, she was great in Funny Girl. We all loved her in Funny Girl. But I got to tell you, Paula, she cannot hit the curve. No, you throw no, a curveball no, by Barbara Streisand, and it it just whooshes under that big nose of hers, and she's on her way back to the dugout to take, take a drink of water. Yeah, but I, was, I swear, the scene in the private dining room with the divan, is that what it's called? Divan, the long chair? It's not a couch, but it's a long chair. That's a chair. divan, I think. I think you pronounce it divan. You know, uh, my a grandmother divan. had one of those. She had it under plastic for years, and oh, somebody must have hit a home run, because there's nobody on the bases anymore. And I remember when she said, I guess, I guess who is gonna be the sexual tension in that scene. I will put that scene, Adam, I will put that scene up against any scene in any movie. And they didn't even do anything, really, but it doesn't matter. Oh, look at that. Barbara Streisand barely made it home. You know, Adam. So that's what I've been doing with my time this last week is just, you know, announcing baseball to help America with its mental health problem. Um, you know, Paula, while we're, um, while we're, uh, while we got distracted from baseball, we forgot to go around the horn and say hi to, uh, our, our team here today. <laughs> yes, let's do that. My mistake. That's all right. Um, uh, and, and we're going to do this the way that we, we started doing last week, which is by introducing them by asking what's new in their lives this week, because we're desperate for something new. So it's, um, it's almost a cruel question at this point. Is it not? Well, if they start sobbing, we'll know not to ask it next week. Bonnie Burns, <laughs> producer, Paula's manager. <laughs> Bonnie Burns. Uh, Captain Crinkle, what's new this week? You know, I don't have a lot new. I've been spending a lot of time working for Paula. 
So I was trying to think uh, what I had to say, and the problem I have is that the other day on the phone meeting, we were talking about doing some language for Quarantine Corner. And the one thing I've really remembered is what I learned in seventh grade in my Spanish class. I can't get it out of my head, so I thought I'd share that, which is. But, Bonnie, what, 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 can, what? I just, can I just say this what to you? And I mean, no disrespect, but <laughs> when we do Quarantine Corner and we say, uh, we're going to help uh, people homeschool their kids by telling them what we remember from seventh grade Spanish, right? That would be a different question than what's new with you. Right, but you guys were, I don't know, the thing they wrote in about was somebody wanted to know Dutch or something. It's not Spanish. I don't well, Bonnie, Bonnie, all we asked is what's new in your life, and instead... I know, but every you time had a I thought I don't know. Hold on a second. Instead, you had a flashback to something we discussed last week about a different language. I know, but every time you, we thought... You know what, Bonnie? <clears throat> what? You, Bonnie Burns, uh, uh, Captain Kringle, you are inches away <laughs> from being a key figure in Trump's <laughs> coronavirus task force. <laughs> okay. Yes. Every time I thought about see- what to say about what's new... I couldn't get this out of my head, so I thought I'll share this, then it'll be done. Yeah. Okay. So here's Okay, but okay. you're thinking of this more as like a support group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean this like is an, okay, here, such kind of more an like easy an, question. An AA meeting for you? Okay, yeah. here I have it. Here's what I did this week. I thought about what I learned in seventh grade. In <laughs> oh, class. that was clever. Oh, that was very yeah. clever. Okay, okay. And here's yeah. what it was. Tieni un la peace amarillo. You will not be fucking deterred, will you? Wow. Boy, that <laughs> accent. You can, you know, I know you were raised in Seattle, but since you've come to Los Angeles with all the Hispanic culture around you, you have just absorbed the accent. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know what? And, and I'm going to wreak a small measure of revenge on you, Bonnie Burns, by not asking you what that means. Oh, come on. You don't know what that means? It's so elementary. Oh, wait, say it's it again. It's not elementary the way you pronounce it. <laughs> say, say it again. Okay. Yeah. Say, say it again. I have a cryptography um, app on my phone. Tiene un lapis amarillo. I never could throw my R's. Um, do you have something yellow? I, something, what, yeah. Do you have? I think it's I have a can, yellow can, I think pencil. it's can you, can, oh, no, can you tell me how to get to Amarillo? Do you have a yellow pencil, I think? Or I have a yellow oh, do you, pencil. <laughs> you don't know if it's You don't even know what it means? <laughs> anyway, it's out so, of my head now. <laughs> so, you know what I think you really need to ask, um, and you need to learn how to say this in Spanish is, uh, excuse me, senor, am I asking a question or not? <laughs> I say, frankly, the U.N. In, I mean, I'm really hoping that Joe Biden wins um, the election in November. Um, but I see you absolutely as an ambassador or, or a U.N. official of some yeah. sort. The way you're able to. Um, your, your ability to stay unfocused. Is, uh, I mean, even with the most specific questions and uh, you, you're just able to stay completely unfocused at all times. Thank you, Bonnie Burns. Um, 
Tony Anita Hall, I mean, first, let me apologize uh, to you because we have less listeners now that Bonnie's cleared out the room a little bit. But um, <laughs> but for the remaining listeners, why don't you tell us um, what's new with you this week? Um, I, my brother and I, you know, been- before you do that, Tony, before you do that, I, I do think we should, um, we should give some sort of tutorial to the listeners on how to raise your jaw with your hand and close it. <laughs> it's something that we've learned to do over time. Uh, I'm sorry, Tony, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, my brother and I have been doing cruise planning for December. <laughs> you have Oh, not. for the love of oh, well, God. That, that's ridiculous. Tony and Nita, oh, what we are you talking about? We have over the weekend. Oh, look, everybody. What? It's it's Mrs. Culpepper, our favorite Southern Belle hand what? puppet. Tony, Tony, why not just purchase a tube of COVID-19 and, and, and rub it all over yourself? What are you doing? No, you are not going on a cruise with your brother or your uncle or any relative. That is absurd. Why would your brother, is he an older brother, Tony? He is my older brother. Well, he doesn't like you. (laughs) What would possess you to consider going on a cruise at this time in our nation's uh, uh, difficulty? Yeah, now, now to review for our listeners, Tony, you took a break this winter to go on a cruise with your brother and your um, your your niece, right? That is correct. But your niece is, and but your niece is actually your age, so it's going to be like the three of you getting on a cruise. A couple of things happen. Number one, you don't get along with your niece, and your brother bailed. So you ended up taking a miserable, tear-stained cruise <laughs> with your niece at the very beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak so that your your cruise ship was actually delayed for three days. And given all that, you and your brother are now planning your next cruise. It's booked for December. Jeez. <laughs> so we uh, did some wow. planning Wow, that is just that. stunning. <laughs> There you go. That's what I did this week. What kind of planning did you do? Like getting a will or or maybe uh, are you bringing along a personal physician? What kind of planning? Well, you know, we want to swim with dolphins. (laughs) You want to do what? Swim with with dolphins. Huh. By the way, that's every dolphin's dream as well. (laughs) A lot of times... When a dolphin turns 50 and its kids come to it and say, well, what would you like to do for your 50th birthday? They'll say, swim with some Americans that might have COVID-19. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's absolutely what dolphins are into. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Well, that's, well, that's this is good. shocking. I'm hopeful. I, I'm hopeful. I, 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 you're hopeful? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you, wow. Do you pay any attention to... The science or the the Fauci? Do you listen to Fauci? <laughs> I, I I do. Yeah, is he on the cruise? Is it like one of those things where you go on the cruise with a celebrity? It's the Fauci cruise. That would be awesome. Oh, I took a Fauci cruise once. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. I don't think he would do it, Tony. What did I tell you that I I think it was a a health journalist from the New York Times, I believe it was, that said if you were trying to create a deadly virus, you would do it on a cruise ship um, 
which is my way of saying bon voyage. Have a good time. <laughs> and don't forget, Tony Anita Hall was in the room a couple of months ago when we had at the beginning of the outbreak, when we had that uh, virus scientist on our show um, yeah. who basically said that he was um, he'd rather risk, you know, a, a bullet to the head than getting on a cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm Boy. paraphrasing, but. Apparently, Tony, when we do a show uh, and we interview a knowledgeable person, Tony does not take notes. <laughs> Adam. All right. Yes. Guess what? What? I know Paula? this is going to blow you away with surprise. I have a word for this week. You do? It's yes. It's in your. I know that one. Yeah. It's in your. It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant. Um, I'll hear, I'll use it in a sentence. Tony has become inured to cruise ships. Um, okay. Each week, by the way, Adam, each week I add a word to a vocabulary song that is both educational and uplifting in these difficult times. Yeah. Which um, And we all look forward to it. Are you kidding me? They look forward yeah. to it like a goddamn cruise. Um, uh, well, this is what I have. I want to, wait, I just have to get myself... Um, all right. This, no. This, what? Wait. <laughs> you know, I wrote these. <laughs> there it is. That's it. There this it is. This week's word is in It's a verb that means become used to something, especially something unpleasant, like not being in school to say present. Last week's word was pelf. It's a noun that means money, especially when gained dishonestly. There's probably a slice for Hannity. The week before that, we had in Super Bowl. It's an adjective that means impossible to overcome. That can make a person mighty glum. Going back before that, we had nonplussed. It's an adjective that means surprised and confused and not knowing how to react. Might describe me if Trump said a fact. And not long ago, we had Qatar. It's a noun that means excessive mucus in the throat or nose. You can hear it in every one of my shows. Let's never forget free. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge. Who's podge? Hodgepodge. Adam thinks my song isn't replicable. 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 But I do. I do. I do. Wait a minute. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's just fantastic. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Man, I left it all on the Glock. I, uh, you, you left something on the Glock, that's for sure. You um, know, I keep meaning to practice, and then time just gets away from me. <laughs> well, it doesn't show in your performances, Paula. They're, they're <laughs> oh, I don't think it does. Stunning. Yeah, it's, no, no, no. Because, you know, what happens is you're a natural performer. So practice or not, when it's time to deliver, you deliver. I am to uh, the glockenspiel, really, what Trump is to medical knowledge. Just bored into the world with it. Yeah, you, pro yeah, you probably should have just done it. But, yeah. you know, Whew. even musicians Whew. say they're just amazed. Yeah. Adam... We have an auction uh, tonight. Um, it is a pebble that Rosa Parks shook out of her shoe while she was walking instead of taking the bus in Montgomery, Alabama in 1955. And, you know, 
There seems recently to be some confusion about who Rosa Parks was, so I'm glad I was able to obtain this piece of history. Okay. On December 1st, 1955, Ms. Rosa Parks was on a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama in the segregated South. She was actually sitting in the colored section, but as often happened, when a white man boarded and couldn't find a seat, the bus driver moved the dividing line and asked Ms. Parks to move. She refused and was arrested. That night, Martin Luther King and others met to plan the Montgomery bus boycott. Now, Adam, recent protesters of the stay-at-home order have occasionally shouted that they are like Rosa Parks. Have you heard that? I know, that's, it amazes me. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. stunning. And let, let me just suffice it to say they are not. Um, the African-American struggle has been a struggle for equal rights, plain and simple. It is not against a public health mandate to save lives. Uh, so uh, this is a really important piece of history that I have here. Uh, after, of course, she was arrested and the boycott took place, um, she didn't take the bus anymore as something like 96%, I believe, of African-Americans stayed off the buses. And uh, so she was walking along one day and a pebble got in her shoe and she emptied it out into her hand. And that is the pebble that I have here. And oh my gosh, right off the bat, thank you so much. Lacey Fullerton, uh, nobody, she's a nobody. She has made our kickoff bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks shoe. Thank you, Lacey. She's made an opening bid of $300. And that's, Adam, that's actually higher than where we usually start. Um, yeah, apparently Lacey, I'm, I'm particularly surprised because this seems like an almost unverifiable artifact. No, it's not. I just told you. Rosa Parks yeah, you, you uh, was walking us, along. It was yeah, a no, pebble. I, I get that. I get that part. Yeah. It's, got, it's kind of reddish because, you know, they got the red clay down there. Um, but apparently oh. Lacey really understands the value of Rosa Parks' contribution to this world and would like to have this pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe to commemorate that important act. Thank you, Lacey Fullerton. Thank you so much. It's exciting. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm so happy that I have an artifact from Rosa Parks. Uh, oh, my gosh. Tim Crump. Nobody. Tim Crump has just made a bit of $350. Thank you, Tim. Uh, Thank uh, you, Tim. I, he says in the comment section, 96%, I was right, 96% of African-Americans did stay off the Montgomery buses on the first day of the boycott ignited by the rest of Rosa Parks for refusing to give up her bus seat to a white person. Well, wow, $350. That's fantastic, Tim. That's Crump. a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. You know, uh, one piece of one piece of trivia that I've always loved about the Rosa Parks thing is that that was not her first encounter with that bu bus driver. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's true. But it was like 10 years before or something like that. That same driver had kicked her off the bus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Rather what? than move, she actually got off the bus. And so so while she was sitting back there on the bus, she was looking forward going like, I recognize this guy. <laughs> something oh, about wow. him is really familiar. Well, uh, case in point being that it was this discrimination, this inequality was entrenched, ongoing, long term. And uh, Rosa Parks inspired a, a very strong strike against it. Yeah, yes, and, she uh, did. Thank you, Rosa Parks. Yes, uh, indeed. And um, nobody's remember every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, French Trump is holding his weekly press conference. So um, just want to remind everybody to be sure to tune in whenever, wherever you get your podcasts or at paulapoundstone.com. 
that is correct. Thank you, Adam Ferber. I have my own press conference on Fridays where I inform, <laughs> I inform the press and the American people. I inform the press and the American people. The pebbles? Pebbles. Like the one found in Rosa Parks' shoe? No, no, not pebble. Pebble. I didn't, you cannot inform a pebble. Uh, pebble, pebble. Pebble? Pebble. <laughs> Coming up, George Bernard Shaw said, when a man wants to murder a tiger, he calls it sport. When a tiger wants to murder him, it's called ferocity. We'll explore the intersection of sports and ferocity when Paula and I review Rocky Three to tell you if you need to see Tiger King. That's coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't want to take Adam's word for it, well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know... Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i i think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. Quint sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. 
Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Jesus said, do you like these sandals? I think they're kind of kicky. Thank you, house band Matt Butterfield. And welcome back to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, friends. You know, Yes, Paula- welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you agree with the welcome back. Um, yeah. You know, Paula, every once in so often, we like to help our listeners figure out if uh, a new movie is worth seeing. Uh, I mean, usually it's a sequel and we view the original film. But of course, there's no new movies coming out in the movie theaters right now. Um, no. So tell our listeners exactly why we are reviewing Rocky three. Well, it seems so obvious to me. Um, a lot of people have watched this Tiger King series. Is that what it's called, yeah. Tiger King? And uh, so Adam and I watched Rocky Three, which features uh, both the phrase and the song "Eye of the Tiger." Uh, right, and that seems like 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 a reasonable way to approach it. I mean, in the first ten days of release, um, over thirty four million people watched Tiger King on Netflix. But um, I, I I do think that can't possibly touch the number of people who've uh, seen Rocky Three. And I think it's a it's a good it's a good gauge as to whether you should watch the Tiger King. Oh, it's the perfect, it's the perfect measure. Um, uh, you know, fr- frankly, Adam, I don't, I've not understood what Eye of the Tiger even means other than really? it's a phrase that was in that song. Well, uh, well, it's a phrase that's in the song and a phrase that's in the movie. And, um, you know, why don't I, uh, do you want me to summarize the movie for our listeners? And then we can go on to our discussion because I do, I do have a theory and I think it's pretty good about what Eye of the Tiger means. Yes, go ahead. Okay. So here's one of my patented quick summaries of the movie. Rocky 3 begins with the end of Rocky 2, where our hero finally punches champ Apollo Creed into submission and becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. Now that he's made it, Rocky wastes no time getting rich, selling out, and losing his edge. He does endorsements, fights cream puffs and palookas, and buys giant houses and expensive shit, all in a montage that might as well be titled Getting Soft Now. All the time, he's shadowed by up-and-coming obsessive phenom... Yeah. Clubber Lang introducing Mr. T. (laughs) Kind of puffy. Mr. T is a brutal, mohawked, hard-punching brute designed for only one purpose, to terrify white America. Clubber finally gets his shot, and he punches Rocky half dead. At the same time, he pushes Rocky's trainer, Mick, all the way dead. Yes, Burgess Meredith breathes his last breath, leaving Rocky alone as the only unintelligible guy left in the movie. But wait. Apollo Creed shows up to lift Rocky out of his depression and train him L.A. style to help him regain the eye of the tiger. Three sweaty, muscly montages later, Rocky clubs Clubber half to death and order is restored to the Rockyverse. Yeah, that's pretty much yeah. what happened. That's, yeah, that's the whole movie. Yeah. Getting soft now. It's Getting so rough now. now. Oh, my yeah. God. You know, um, so, all right, so do you want to tell me your theory? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry to what? interrupt. I cannot believe this. Wait, I, I, we just got an online bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe. Yeah. Uh, from, get this, Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, 
Former Goldman Sachs banker who bought a mortgage lending company in 2009, foreclosed on thousands of borrowers, then resold yeah. the homes for a very great profit. Um, yes, yes, he that did. Steve Mnuchin has just bid $4,301 on the pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe. Uh, Steve wow. Mnuchin, by the way, is real estate rich to the tune of $400 million. So, boy, that really kicks up the bidding right now. $4,301 is the going price. And by the way, we close out the auction uh, at the end of the show. Good which- to know, but... Uh, you know, I, I, let's keep our values in mind here about what's more important, the civil rights movement or Rocky Three. My mistake. Um, let's just start at the beginning. One of the things I was surprised about was that Adrian, who is now Rocky's wife, Mrs. Uh, Balboa, was estranged uh, when I last saw Rocky. She was estranged from Polly, who was um, abusive to her in every way. And now they seem to have worked things out. It's sort of the, the theme of Rocky Three was a, a lot of healing. The names were were very weird. I thought uh, he fought a guy at one point named Big Yank. Yeah, Big Yank Ball wasn't that the guy's name? Big Yank, Big Yank Ball. Balls or something like that. Yeah, and 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 yeah. also he uh, he did a charity match where he fights a a professional wrestler named Thunderlips. Now, the important, interesting thing, detail about this is that was the film debut and the beginning of superstardom for professional wrestler Hulk Hogan playing uh, Thunderlips. So this movie introduced both Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Basically, this movie created the 80s. This movie is unforgivable, at least for those two reasons. Um, When they were showing sort of Rocky going soft with all the richness and the fame uh, one of the things they showed was that he was on the Muppets, and yes. you know that's a that's a clear <laughs> indication of a boxer losing his edge. Yeah, when you he's know, on the Muppet all, Show, right? Fighting a wrestler, but also just being on the Muppets, and and you could tell because at one point um, Kermit like pushed him, and he staggered back, and oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, so. So Clubber Lang, who is the um, Mr. T character, has been fighting his way up the hierarchy of of fights, but he can't become the champ unless Rocky agrees to fight him. And so, you know, they show all these different fights with Clubber Lang fighting. And then they were revealing a statue to Rocky in Philadelphia. The unveiling of this uh, famous Rocky statue on the steps there. Yeah, and then Clubber Lang showed up at that event and called Rocky out. Uh, and Mick was at the event. The manager was at the event. And by the way, right. Mick has so much in common with my manager, uh, Bonnie Burns. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because but, because you half the time you have no idea what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, many times in the film, Rocky would say, like, Mick, how you doing? And Mick would begin talk about... His seventh grade Spanish knowledge. Yeah. Ah, Rock, I gotta tell you here. You, you gotta learn to conjugate your verbs. If you're not conjugating your verbs in Spanish, <laughs> this guy will knock you to tomorrow. Yeah, Rock, Rock, do you have a yellow pencil? That's what I want to know. Do you have a yellow pencil? Rock, let um, me tell you something. If you don't know how to ask for a yellow pencil, you're not gonna have nothing. <laughs> I, I thought that... 
it it seemed that they made a lot of the movie up on the fly a little bit. Uh, it by the really way, it was, was lazily scripted. It was written by Sylvester Stallone, but Mick seemed to find out about the bout. Like he appeared not to know that Rocky had agreed to fight this guy. Yeah. Well, um, Rocky gets goaded into fighting this guy because Mr. T starts looking at Adrian and going, hey, lady, why don't you come over to my place later? I'll show you what a real man is like. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. Rocky goes from retiring to going like, I'll give you a fight if you want to fight. And then they go to this scene in Mick's room. And Mick apparently lives with uh, Rocky and uh, Adrian. Yes, he they lives in his giant house. They go to the scene in Mick's room. Here's what I want to know. Why is Mick's room pink? I couldn't tell either. It was a weird thing. Uh, you know, I, I you could have had any room, but like they put Mick in this like pink room with a canopy bed and stuff. Yeah, it was kind of, it was not really the Mick we used to know. No, but, but you know, that's kind of a theme because Mick surprises us in a couple of ways in this movie. Uh, unsurprisingly, he has something like seven heart attacks before he finally dies. And nobody seems to really notice. During one of Rocky's fights, Mick clearly has a heart attack and everybody's like, are you okay, Mick? And he's like, oh yeah, it's nothing. It's just one of those times when your heart stops beating for 15 seconds, you know? <laughs> I just got to walk it off. So in any case, so he's in that room, I guess because Rocky thinks he's a Holly Hobby fan. And the other big surprise for me is that Mick, played by Burgess Meredith, after he dies, turns out to be Jewish. That surprised me as well. <laughs> it I, was I, really surprising. I mean, I, it never occurred to me to think about the religious beliefs of Mick, the manager of Rocky. I just assumed he had none. Uh, you would just think that an actor of British descent playing a guy named Mick was probably an Irishman. Uh, well, by the way, his name was Mickey Goldmill. I, I, I never even knew his last name. It was just Mick. It was Mick. But there was that, you know, there was that scene, I think it was in Rocky Two, where he says in a kind of a quiet moment with Rocky, he goes, Rock, you know what I want? A pink bedroom. I want, can I have strawberry shortcake? Can I have a strawberry <laughs> shortcake doll? I'd like That's that. Right. That's right. Um, That's right before Rocky goes, hey, Mick, you want some bacon? And he goes, I don't want no bacon. Don't bring that around here. So there were clues <laughs> everywhere. There, there. <laughs> uh, yeah. How can we have missed that? Uh, you know, know, it wasn't a very realistic uh, movie. No. Um, Mr. T, the uh, <laughs> Clubber Lang Clubber Lang, character, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, had, uh, you know, he looked like how you remember Mr. T looking. He had these big, huge, dangly earrings and the mohawk hairstyle. If it had been a realistic film, Mr. T would have caught his earrings on so many things, you know, just like while walking down the aisle of the fight and stuff. They just would have hooked onto a chair I, and I'm just ripped amazed his earlobe off. Of all the ridiculousness in that movie, that was the deal breaker for you. <laughs> uh, now, Okay, doesn't Apollo Creed, when he shows up to coach Rocky on how to... Uh, how to get back the eye of the tiger. Yeah. Yeah, he says to him, you had that eye of the tiger. Adam, explain to me what that means. Paula, I mean, put simply, it's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight, standing up to the challenge of our rivals. Isn't that the lyrics from the song? All right, you, you got me there. That's the lyrics to the song. <laughs> However, what the eye of the tiger is, is that hungry look, that predatorial hungry look in your eye that says that you will accept nothing other than, than beating your prey. 
And when you lose that predatorial look in your eye, somebody else can see, oh, he doesn't look like the tiger anymore. I'll punch him in the face repeatedly. Oh, I see. Okay. And they have this exchange. So so Rocky fights um, Clubber Lang and gets his clock cleaned. And afterwards, um, Mick dies. Okay, can I stop? Can I pause you there for a minute? Please. I just want to say, when Mick <laughs> dies, basically in Rocky's arms after the fight, having been lied to by Rocky, did you win, kid? Oh, oh yeah, we Mick, forgot to tell them that part, Adam. That's important. When yeah. they're in the pink bedroom, uh, Mick tells Rocky why he should not fight Clubber Lang. And the reason is that all these fights that he's been doing since the Apollo Creed fight in this you know, successful montage of how things had been going so well for Rocky, it turns out that none of those guys were really good fighters, that Mick just sort of set him up with fights that he yeah. could win. And that's when he tells Rock, I can't set you up with this guy. He's a wrecking machine. He'll take you apart, Rock. He'll knock you to tomorrow. I love that. Yeah, I, my favorite Mick line was, He'll kill you to death in the first round. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he, you know, if he had lived, he definitely would have been on the coronavirus task force uh, uh, working with no doubt. working with Trump with that kind of science. He'll kill you well, to death. Yeah, I, I do want I do want to add that like before that happened out in the hallway before the fight, Clubber Lang does push Mick. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Clubber Lang's yeah. out of line. He's out yeah, of line the whole goddamn time. Yeah. He's he's not satisfied with just wanting to fight Rocky. He keeps like, he keeps, uh, you know, saying things about Rocky's wife. And then he keeps like telling Mick to stay out, you know, just, you know, kill your dead. You old. Yeah, he's, he's very aggressive with everyone, not just in the ring. So anyway, so this is, Mick right, finally so wait, dies. So this, this is Rocky. Uh, this is dialogue in Rocky Three. Uh, that's that was yeah. dialogue. And then, and then, and then, I want to I want to play us some actual dialogue. This is after Mick finally kicks the bucket. Rocky, um, yeah. Rocky's not happy about the fact that Mick dies, um, and and he expresses himself thusly. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what he said um, really showed the relationship b- 
between, uh, uh, you know, a person and their manager. Like you can hear him at one point say, uh, you always took 50%. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can hear that very clearly. Yeah. And, and at one yeah. point you can barely make out him out saying, it wasn't just my manager. He was my vocal coach. <laughs> my dialogue coach and now you go yeah, I, I have to say that when I was yeah. watching Rocky 3 here in my dwelling by myself I found it a very moving scene that when Rocky was unhappy I did too and, and I watched it with my whole family because I was like you know we're watching a movie, and me and Aunt Paula are going to be reviewing it. Does anybody want to watch Rocky Three? My kids had never seen Rocky One or Two. I just explained it to them very quickly. Um, my whole family loved that movie. <laughs> <laughs> they found it completely predictable, but like the, they were cheering Rocky on. They were scared of Clubber Lang. They 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 loved Apollo Creed. They were sad for Mick. It was like it was great. It absolutely worked on them. Clubber Lang. Okay, it's, it's, uh, rock, top it high, hit him up high, that's the vocals, that's well, Yeah, and, and, you know, iconically, that's not only the first appearance of Mr. T in, in, in popular entertainment, but it's the beginning of I Pity the Fool. I Pity the Fool? Yeah. Uh, all right, so, Apollo Creed, um, Steps into the picture after Mick is dead and, and Rocky has been dethroned. Right. Former champion Ro Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, and I think possibly the most interesting character that Stallone ever created. I really love Apollo Creed. So Apollo Creed takes Rocky and Adrian, who, by the way, has mysteriously got now a Princess Leia hairstyle. <laughs> and has decided that she's basically not going to talk anymore. Well, that's probably for the best. Uh, you know, <laughs> they oh, and they all go to Los Angeles. You know, they leave Philadelphia. They go to Los Angeles um, to train where Apollo Creed uh, came up in, to train in his gym. Yeah, and this is where the film begins trying to do a racial healing thing. And I think it does was, a, a great job. I, you know, I'd, I'd put it way up know, there. But I, go ahead. I think it was a bit of a reach uh, for, for Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what they do is Polly is an accepting of of black people, and uh, yes, he's openly disdainful of the boxing gym that he has walked into. Yeah, exactly. We didn't know this about him before. This is something that just all of a sudden came up. Uh, so they go into this gym, and Polly is is saying, you know, things to. It just sort of to nobody really about how he doesn't like this and uh, and uh, not anything that we knew about Polly in the past would make him feel superior is really hard to uh, figure out. Uh, I find um, that to be but, startlingly accurate of actual real life racists. A lot of them, well, it's really well, hard true. to figure yeah. out. You know why in the world they would feel superior to anybody. <laughs> And Paulie uh, yeah, is the no, embodiment of that. He's like this, this this dirty, disgusting, abusive, drunken guy who's like, I don't know about these people. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah. So Rocky is now <laughs> talked into training in Los Angeles, and, and he has to win because he needs the money to keep Adrian in mascara. And you've yeah, seen She is that. wearing a lot of mascara now. Tremendous amount of mascara. There was one scene where she could barely stand up because her she face was, was that heavy. She was um, more lashed than woman at one point. <laughs> So <laughs> Apollo Creed keeps trying to train Rocky and the training isn't going well at all. As if Rocky had never had any skills whatsoever. He can't, you know, he can't be up on his toes. He's not fast. He can't, you know, they keep trying to teach him like he's a dancer and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, he's a white guy. He can't but dance. You know what? That, that, I actually buy that part because in the first two Rocky movies, one, one thing they firmly established is Rocky's main strength was that you could punch him in the face an infinite number of times and he would keep punching you in the face. And Apollo Creed was this flashy, dancey kind of like, you know, art of boxing kind of guy. And so uh, so that whole that whole deal was trying to teach Rocky to use his feet and become kind of a little more twinkle toey. I see. I guess I hadn't recognized that. Um, so now they have to go to that iconic spot off of the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't know what that thing is called. The 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 what is the wooden thing called that goes out into the water? The Santa Monica Pier. No, it wasn't the pier. It's another thing. Okay, the dock. You know they have to run at this place so they can get that iconic shot causeway Ca no it's not a causeway i can't think I'm of just, the name i'm just of saying words of stuff that sticks out into the ocean <laughs> jetty it's a jetty so it might be a jetty so uh it's an isthmus apollo creed is explaining why they're doing he says we've he says we've got to get some speed and finally he says to him we've got to get a shot of you at that that iconic beach spot um and they run, and Rocky is always behind Apollo Creed, and he keeps getting his ass kicked in these running things. And Apollo Creed's so frustrated with them. He's like, you know, what do you do about what do you do? You know, what do you do? And finally, they go away, and Adrian. Now, keep in mind, in Rocky One, Adrian was Polly's sister, lived in this dumpy apartment, worked at a pet store, barely spoke. To the degree that there was speculation that she was um, mentally uh, impaired. developmentally delayed. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. You know, wore big, thick glasses. And now sure. uh, she's come to Los Angeles and she's a therapist and a life coach. Uh, she talks to Rocky and, and, and they do like, a, uh, a, like an encounter group with just two people. She's yeah. like, no, Rocky, what is it? What is it? And finally he says, I'm afraid. I don't want to lose. I'm scared, right? I'm afraid I can't lose anything anymore. I'm scared. You dragged it out of me. Right? I'm scared. It was very moving. It was very, yeah. it was, that was really it. good, by the way. That yeah. was exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> and she, she basically says to him that uh, he needs to go get his brains beaten out. <laughs> Isn't it supposed to be? Isn't it the, the wife supposed to be <laughs> yeah. saying, we have everything we need, Rocky. You could just go get a regular job right now, or I could go to work, and we can keep the house, and we can raise our son. But she's like, she's like, what do you mean you're scared? Get in there. Get your ass kicked. Uh, yeah, it's, oh. a, it's a really beautiful, it's a beautiful scene between the two of them. She says to him, nothing is real if you don't believe in who you are, which yeah. we're still trying to unravel. 
Uh, I mean, the, the uh, riddle of Adrian is that throughout the Rocky movies, and, and Paula, I've seen all of them, is that throughout the Rocky movie, she alternates between screaming at him for wanting to fight again when it's risking his health and suddenly saying out of nowhere, you have to punch this guy a lot or else you're not a man anymore. Yeah. She's I think like the a, worst girlfriend ever, writ large. Yeah, I think there's probably another Rocky that we haven't seen where she does fuck Clubber Lang. <laughs> I mean, here, here's a little side note for fans is that in Rocky 2, I guess his health is in danger again and she convinces Rocky not to fight again. And then he decides oh. to fight anyway and she's upset. And then like yeah. around the time of the birth of their first son, she goes into a coma. Oh, I didn't know that. And then while Rocky's training, she wakes up from the coma and she says, Rocky, win. Huh. <laughs> and then he, goes, then he goes and beats up Apollo Creed. So, like, she's put him on this roller coaster before is my point. I hadn't seen that, that one. That would make oh, Rock this one make even less sense if I hadn't <laughs> seen it. Um, yeah. She really, she really goes on a roller coaster. What do you mean yeah, you're scared? Really Get in there. Get in there. Um, all right. So now after uh, Adrian gives him a talking to uh, at, at the uh, at the beach, uh, he beats Apollo uh, in a race. They run into the water. Uh, they use the buddy system. Apollo's drowning. Rocky pulls him out, <laughs> breathes life back into him. It's, it's a beautiful scene. Um, yeah, extra stuff there, but okay. Right. So now they have, uh, you know, now, right, they've established that, you know, he's fitter than he's ever been. In fact, they kept saying the weights. So the, the guys that are calling the bout keep talking about the weight. So, so Rocky has dropped some pounds. You know, he's fit as a fiddle. Uh, and Clubber Lang is on his way in and someone says, what's your prediction? And Clubber Lang says, pain. I and, love and I that he, moment. And, and then I believe it gives him a pity the fool. Uh, so, now they go into the arena for the big fight, and Polly is a member of the NAACP. He's oh yeah, oh he's hundred percent. All of a sudden, he's yeah. embracing Apollo Creed and the Maybe guy that he slept uh, with, Clubber Lang. You, you can't really figure out what happened to Polly <laughs> yeah. that yeah. made him come face to face with the injustice of the way that he was behaving before. There is no explanation for no. that character just sort of, you know, tags along at the end of a rope off the car somehow, the, the Polly character. He doesn't, yes, he, does. he just sort of bounces along. <laughs> All right, anyway, let's get back. So now he's going to fight Mr. T, but now he really means it. Yeah, yeah, before he was just kidding around waiting around for his manager to die. But now... Now his manager's dead. He's got the eye of the tiger yeah. back. Here we go. Yeah. Eye of the tiger. Um, yeah. So, of course, they get in the ring. You know, it doesn't look good for a while. And then all of a sudden, hoo hoo it just... He comes to life. Yeah. He's punchy, punchy, punchy. And, and by the way, the boxing choreographer was Sylvester Stallone. Which could be yeah. partly why he he won. All right, Paula. You know, I have to say, I have only watched maybe a couple of movies um, in the last few months. Yeah. And suffice it to say, Rocky Three is not a good movie. 
No. Um, but I did sort of enjoy the heck out of sitting in a chair and watching a movie that I hadn't seen before. <laughs> no, I hear so you. I, I'm, this is not a reflection on whether it's a good movie or not. It's not a good movie. It's a terrible movie. But there was something kind of joyous about sitting in a chair and watching a movie I haven't seen before um, in the midst of all of the craziness that we're now going through. Oh, my God. Speaking of crazy, what? Adam, we just got a $5,300 bid from Mike Lindell. Uh, the my pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Oh, wow. He's the my pillow guy. He's the guy oh, who wow. says he's he spent two years developing the my pillow. Which, by the way, I always wondered about that. Two years? What was he working on it every day? I mean, isn't yeah. it some fluffy stuff in a cloth bag? Yeah, how, but it takes time because imagine how many naps you have to take to find out if it's working. Maybe that's the system. He was, I mean, how far yeah. out of the box? Was he like, pine cones didn't work? How about hamsters? <laughs> <laughs> it's fluffy stuff in a bag. But uh, I guess, thank you, Mike Lindell. $5,300 from Mike Lindell. Uh, wow. That is a big bid for the pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe that arrived in her shoe while she was walking um, during the bus March. boycott of the, right, Mon the Montgomery, Alabama uh, buses. Yeah. Interesting fact. A lot of people think of Rosa Parks as this woman who just was just an ordinary apolitical woman who just lost her cool when she was asked to give up her seat. But she was actually a very, very active civil rights uh, person uh, for years before this moment happened. Yeah, I she was a member of the NAACP already, as was her husband. Um, and by the way, they left Montgomery because the backlash... Um, even though it was obviously a highly successful boycott in that the argument went uh, into the courts and the, and the courts ruled that indeed it was unconstitutional to segregate um, the bus seats in that way. Nonetheless, um, uh, the war w remained very difficult for both she and her husband. She was fired from her job. He was harassed at his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were death threats and, of course, the bombing stuff that took place to the other members of their organization afterwards. And so they left and went up to uh, um, Detroit. Yeah, they moved to Detroit, uh, right? They left Montgomery and moved to Detroit. And that brings me to a very important point. So they moved to Detroit. And I have to ask you, Paula Poundstone, given your experience with Rocky Three, should our listeners watch The Tiger King? I see where those two things are connected. Uh, <laughs> No, they should not watch The Tiger King. I would oh, why say is that? Rocky Three was not good. They should find another movie that they've never seen before and watch that. Because as I said, there was something exciting about watching a film I hadn't seen before. But uh, Rocky Three uh, is not a bomb for these days. A bomb, B-A-L-M. Like a tiger bomb. Exactly. I okay. have the tiger bomb. Now, I got to say, having heard your opinion, I want to take your answer, but because uh, I think you're right. But I already prepared my answer. My answer is, um, yeah, watch The Tiger King because I loved Rocky Three. And I didn't love Rocky Three as a movie. <laughs> I loved watching Rocky Three with my family. So my, my you know, point is, is that bad entertainment can still be very entertaining. And I assume that that is, uh, having watched the first two episodes of Tiger King, that's what that is. It's, it's, it's bad, but it's entertaining. 
Well, I still think we can aim a little higher. <laughs> I don't like to think. I, I don't like the pandemic to be the Trojan horse for uh, for for crap. Um, oh, our, know, our society does not need more Trojan horses. No. Uh, hold on, Adam. Hold on. Tim Wait, Crump. What? Tim Crump is back. Nobody Tim Crump is back with another online bid for the Pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe that she shook out of her shoe while walking during the Montgomery bus boycott that she inspired. Uh, okay, so what did he, he bid? He has, a, he has a bid of $6,000. Whoa. Yeah. That's Th a lot thank of you money so for much. an unverified Pebble. It is verified. I receive a lot of my commemorative items from, of course, uh, that company I told you about, um, Don't Ask Acquisitions. Oh, Don't Ask Acquisitions. <laughs> yes, they're a very respectable company, despite their very unrespectable name. Mm. All right. Yeah, um, no, I'm certain that it is. And, and who wouldn't want to commemorate Rosa Parks? She really is a, a beacon for our struggle now not the struggle that the protesters are insisting upon, but just yes. just a, a struggle that requires inner strength and a loving heart. And you got to be a you got to be a fighter, uh, not not yeah. against one another, but against the virus here. Right, because this world will knock you to tomorrow. It'll kill you dead before the first round. <laughs> It'll kill you dead. And on that, we'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. The Cat of the Week is Manila from Brooklyn, New York. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We are back. Thank you, house band Matt Butterfield. That's some fine oboe blowing. Yeah, absolutely. Matt Butterfield, thank you so much. This is fantastic. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and, and all you know, buddies, thanks so much. And remember, who knows how long this is going to go on, but if you want to step up and become our house band, you just let us know. Tony Niaholo, hook you up. Now it's time, speaking of our listeners, to open the listener mailbag. Tony Niaholo, oh. can I ask you to step into the room? I'm here. Okay, thank you, Tony. <laughs> so, Tony, it's metaphor uh, metaphorically, Tony. He meant it metaphorically. I had to mean it metaphorically because she's in a studio apartment, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's been using her blender pencil sharpener. Um, that's another device <laughs> that she's created uh, to use in her kitchen slash office. Absolutely. Hey, right, Tony. So, uh, welcome. Thank you. Um, now, I understand that you have some listener mail for us, and it's time for our special segment that we call 
Hit me up, Matt Butterfield. Mailbag. Mail. Mailbag. <laughs> Apparently, Matt switched to the Glock, and I'm okay with that. All right, Tony, come on. <laughs> Hit us up. Um, okay, so this is from Maureen Pease. Uh, hello, I know that this reference is an old episode, but Adam's main accent is about as good as Warwick's in the graveyard shift. Thanks for all the laughs. Wow. Now, wow. I, I don't know that movie. Is it is it a movie? Graveyard I Shift? I don't know. Huh. Has anybody seen it? I think Maureen has made a film called Graveyard Shift, and she's just <laughs> trying to promote it. It's, it's quite possible. Maureen, congratulations on completing the film. But, Paula, what I suspect is that I am once again in one of those situations where I don't know if I'm being complimented or insulted. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. I, you yeah. know, I don't know if my main accent was good or bad. But it, okay. it's mainly if, taken if from Can't Get There From Here and Pepperidge Farm Remembers. Yeah, um, I'm going to assume that Warwick's accent wasn't that good in Graveyard Shift. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then but, fuck you, Maureen. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I was going to say, th thank you, Maureen. <laughs> it, it was an old episode, you know. You know, we make them and we throw them aside, Maureen. We can't, we don't, we don't have time to tarry on Adam's bad accent in, wow. in an old episode. Adam's bad accent. Well, it might, well, it, that is not my strongest accent. So I'm guessing that you might be right, Paula. Let's move on. Tony and Nina, and by the way, we love you, Maureen. Keep writing in. Tony and Nina Hull, what's next? <laughs> Hi, team at Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. I wanted to start off by saying I love the podcast. Please we love you. Let me just say right here. Maureen Pease, do you hear what this person said? That's how you start, Maureen. <laughs> Go on, Tony. Please keep doing what you're doing. It's hilarious. I have absolutely nothing bad to say about it at all. Captain Crinkle is a bit much, and by that I mean she is completely crazy. <laughs> I've yet to see... <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to see Thomas Coyne in Vermont, but I'm still looking. One thing I'm hearing is that Adam Felber is on every show. Wow, that's impressive. Thanks, Eben Gifford. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay, go ahead, Paula. I, I think it might be Eben Gifford, maybe. Um, sorry. You are right. Adam Felber is on every show, and it is impressive. Uh, it's not the same as having your star on Hollywood Boulevard, but it's big. It's big. I th I want to say that Eben has done the impossible here by uniting me with Bonnie Burns. But I'm not I think, crazy. Uh, yeah, I think Bonnie and I have common cause here. Is that Eben says he has absolutely nothing bad to say about it all, but <laughs> he says. First, he breaks out that canard that Paula started, that the best thing you can say about me is that I'm on every show. But he also calls Captain Crinkle a bit much and completely crazy. <laughs> oh, what the no. Fuck I think, is that about? I think Eben means that in a very playful way. Like, okay, because you know. he didn't yeah, say anything he, bad about you. Well, no, but. <laughs> yeah. Had yeah. it also read, and Paula needs professional help, how would you then feel about the email? But that's not what they said, Adam. It was like, no, I know. crazy. He, he, like, he just like, slagged me and Bonnie. 
no, it's no, it's like completely crazy. Like, oh my gosh, she's a riot. She's just crazy. That kind of crazy. Not like a bit much. Not like she hears voices and, you know, no, it's not like that. No, I think okay, it's, now I, I, think, I am. I am going to now utter a phrase that I don't think has ever been uttered in the English language. Bonnie Burns, what are your feelings about this? I know I, I feel very secure. I know I'm not crazy. <laughs> How about a bit much? Wow. No, I don't think By I'm a bit much. By the way, that's much. one of the first. I think I feel good. <laughs> that's one of the first symptoms. I feel good. I think All I right. can be annoying at times. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, Paula, back me up. No. I think that's part no. of my job is to be annoying. No. No. <laughs> no, come no, on. Not at all. No. Well, you know, it is part of the manager's job. Uh, yeah. To be a little yeah. bit annoying sometimes, and and I think that that was demonstrated in Rocky Three when it turns <laughs> out Mick was having Rocky fight fighters that weren't really fighters. Like Bonnie called me one time and she said um, she had gotten me on the Late Show, right, with Stephen Colbert, and of course I was excited. And then it turned out it was the Late Afternoon Show with Stephen Colbert. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Tony, what else you got? What's on the hot sheet? Okay, this is from uh, James Hyder in Marietta, Georgia. Paula, I've been enjoying your podcast since day one, so I had to write in to let you know that you're mispronouncing one of your vocabulary words. I would have oh. written in sooner. I would have written in sooner, but expected that some other nobody would have let you know by now that the correct pronunciation of glimmerfree puts the emphasis on the third syllable mao not the second lin as you've been say- saying it so it's galamoffrey thought you'd want to know Ooh. oh i didn't know galamoffrey galamoffrey oh i don't like that as much galamoffrey 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 wow that doesn't well, Paula, sound right. I'm going to have to check that out, James. <laughs> yeah. Boy, well, I mean. I, you know, James, I might I might prefer you to have said that I'm completely crazy. I, that could have been yeah. a more pleasant. <laughs> Gollumoffrey. I, boy, I've this always heard it. This word is Gollumoffrey. Yeah, well, it's still Galim. I gotta look that up, which I obviously can't do now. I'm looking it up. But, uh... Oh, great. (laughs) Bonnie's looking it up. Uh, For those listeners who don't know, one of the things that makes Bonnie Burns as annoying as she is is we talk to her on the phone every week as we plan this show, and she... She suddenly starts listening with half an ear while she's scrolling through her her devices to look things up. Yeah. So we'll have a long conversation about, say, for example, how long the podcast should be. Right. And and then we'll all decide after, say, you know, 20 minutes of talking about it, that it should be an hour. And then Bonnie goes, well, how long do you think the podcast should be? And, and meanwhile, turn she out, won't have a convincing answer for the thing that she's been looking up while not listening to us. Right, exactly. Because she was staring at the band, the Monkees, on their <laughs> site. <laughs> and she's, she was thinking like, yeah, I'm a believer. So, Bonnie, given all that, how do you pronounce the word? Uh, okay, gala ma free. 
God damn it, Bonnie. Okay, G- what, which... okay here. G-A- <laughs> Yo, she's right about the third... Um, What do they call it? The third... By she, you mean he, and by he, you mean James uh, okay, Hyder yeah, from Marietta? It's James, yeah. She had G- already started Googling before we got to the name. <laughs> no, here. It's G-A-L-U-H-M-A-A is the one that's in, you know, dark letters. And then F-R-E-E. All we need to... All we okay, needed was the we... answer. He was right. Galamafri. 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 No, Bonnie, it's Galamafri. I am literally um, telling you how to read the thing that's in front of your face. <laughs> yeah. um, Bunny? Bunny? Yeah. I think you have... Ah! <laughs> uh, Bonnie, I think you have the accent on the wrong <laughs> syllable. Oh my God! I want to segue. Tony Nidahal, is are there any more pieces of mail? I, I think we're good. No, do you have any more? <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> is that it, Tony? I think we're done. Yeah, no, we're cool. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are you well, sure, Tony? I feel like I see one more on the list. <laughs> Okay, we do have one more. Um, (laughs) Go ahead. Hi, love the show. Can you have Captain Crinkle Bonnie Burns on the show more often? Every time she... (laughs) All right, that's all the time we have for mailbag. (laughs) No, 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 stop, Tony, right there. That's it. I I saw that there was another one on the list, but that's it. I think this was written by Bunny. Gallimaufry. Yeah. Here. I, here I no, no. Re- read it to the end so that we can hear what body, Bonnie's pseudonym is. Gallimaufry. Okay. Did you hear? Okay. Yeah. Are you, are you yes. playing the Gallimaufry pronunciation? Well, I can't play it for you and that at the same time. You're playing the pronunciation while Tony's <laughs> reading the other uh, uh, mailbag? <laughs> God damn it, Bonnie! Bonnie. You are literally interrupting. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. You are literally interrupting okay, an well, email I- about you. I was. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> to- okay. Tony just. Tony just said the classic "God damn it, Bonnie," which is actually Bonnie's ringtone. When, when Bonnie's phone goes off, it goes "God damn it, Bonnie." Oh my God. I can't believe it's come to this. Okay. All right, go ahead, Tony. Go ahead, read it. Okay. Read the, read, read the end. We want to know what Bonnie's fake name was at the end of this email. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, love the show. Can you have Captain Crinkle Bonnie on the show more often? Every time she makes a crinkle, she cracks me up. When she read listener mail... <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Just try to try to work through it, Tony. <laughs> this is why I wanted to end mailbag. Um, when she read no. listener mail, I had tears in my eyes. So did I. And the iTunes incident is iconic. Yes. Thanks, Jonna Leota. All right. Well, thank I you, Bonnie, for cre- choosing that interesting pseudonym. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't realize that um, Bonnie also has a, a writing career. Uh, and she writes under the name Gianna Leota. <laughs> right. <laughs> the 
Thank you, Jonna. We hear you. Thank you, me. Paula, get ready with your instrument, would you? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is mailbag. 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 No, no, no. Okay. Mailbag. Mailbag. All right. We'll be back with more Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Couldn't find it. Fun fact, if you drive south from Detroit, you'll actually be in Canada. And if you drive south from Canada these days, you're an idiot. Welcome back. <laughs> Speaking of hotel soaps, we want to hear from all you nobodies out there. Please email us, even if you're a thinly veiled uh, Bonnie Burns <laughs> pseudonym, uh, at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. If you want to contribute to our mailbag, send us your theme song or give us a podcast description that might appear on our homepage, just go ahead and send it to us. Once again, that's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. I think Gianna Leota is banned from from being on the homepage. Uh, Adam, Adam, we have another online auction bid on the pebble from uh, Rosa Parks's shoe. Again, Mike Lindell has shot back. That's the that's my pillow guy. By the way, his company has an F from the Better Business Bureau because of a deceptive buy one get one free offer. And Trump is encouraging him to run for governor of Minnesota. He hangs out at Mar-a-Lago, or he did. Um, now he's using his money to bid $6,002 on the pebble from Rosa Parks' shoe. Uh, uh, wow. That That is, boy, I, this guy just keeps at it. I, I, I think he's going to end up. He might, but you know what, yeah. Paula, speak, speaking of pillows, while we try to process yeah. the fact that he might end up with this pebble, do you want to talk about your pillows? Yeah, it's, a little, it's a little depressing. He's a, he's a little creepy. What? I was asking if you wanted, although I'm hating the way I'm phrasing this, do you want to talk about your pillows for a minute? I do. You know, um, okay. one of the things that's available at paulapoundstone.com, listeners, is a, a Poundstone Pussy Pillow. Uh, it's about a three inch by two inch rectangle pillow, um, stuffed with fresh catnip. Um, it has a cat joke on one side and on the other side, I'm happy to autograph it to your cat. And, uh, you can get that through paulapoundstone.com. I, I believe there's a box where you write the name of, of your cat for me to autograph it. Fantastic. By the way, I have one or two cats that actually use it as a pillow, which sort of amuses me. You can also grab a copy of my book, The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and the rest of my books and CDs, which uh, I like to tell myself anyways, helpful bomb in a difficult time. Um, yeah, they are, at, and they're terrific. paulapoundstone.com, and the website is up. Is it really? It is. It is. It is indeed. All right. Now, um, I'm about to go to our, our end of the show, Patter. Um, you can find me on on Paula on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Adam, I'm always, Adam. Yeah. Adam, yes. wait a second. Oh, my God. Uh, we have another. I was so depressed that Mike Lindell was going to get the pebble from uh, Rosa Parks' shoe. We have another 
online auction bid from right down Kristen, into the wire. Kristen Lejeune, who was a house band uh, playing the violin on a show recently. Uh, she's a nobody. Um, I could have sworn Mike Lindell was going to walk away with this. But uh, uh, Kristen Lejeune, uh, our brilliant house band on the violin just a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Was, Kristen has made so a bid of $7,002 to win the pebble from Rosa Parks's shoe. Wow. Thank you, Kristen Lejeune. I'm so excited to send you and this And congratulations, pebble. Kristen. You're our winner. And just to ice the cake here, uh, Kristen, you obviously know the importance of Rosa Parks's contribution, but uh, I did want to read you this one quote from Rosa Parks, uh, who okay. once said, people always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I wasn't tired physically. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Now I yeah. want that pebble. Because uh, like a lot of people, I'm tired of giving in. Kristen Lejeune, house band from just a couple of weeks ago. Violinist Kristen Lejeune, dedicated nobody. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Whoa. That's our show, everybody. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam DeFelber. Produced by Paula Poundstone, that same Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Matt Butterfield on the oboe. Yay! Mixing by Michael Hoagie, Starburns production by our buddy Land Romo, and technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Yay! Bonnie, that's how you roll an R. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Kid, you gotta fight this guy smart. You gotta use your brains, kid. I'll kill you, Dad. Kill you, Dad, before the first round. <laughs> you won't get up, Rock. You won't get up. Rock, the other fights were fake. These, this one, though, this one's real. You, you fought a toddler, Rock. Did you really think that was a challenge? What, do you think he was a dwarf? Rock, he was two feet high. <laughs> he was a child, Rock. He was a child. Mick, you lied to me. You lied to me, Mick. You lied to me. Anybody could have seen it, Rock. <laughs> you, you fought Mickey Mouse. You fought a guy that cost your buck. You fought an actual mouse, Rock. <laughs> Starbands Avenue, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.